Hello. My name is Dr. Mercurio Arborea, and I am the founder of the Arborea Institute. Through our unique blend of benign pharmacology, sensory therapy, and energy sculpting, we can guide you to a new, better, happier you. You're about to embark on a great journey let the new age of enlightenment begin. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order. It's no longer a theory. What I'm about to say is fact. The secret organizations of the world power elite are no longer secret. They have planned and are now leading us into a one-world communist government. Welcome useless eaters to the Odd Man Out podcast, where we talk about hidden history, depolitical policy, occult deconstruction, economics, religion, and philosophy. I'm your rabbit hole aficionado, the Odd Man. Welcome. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually... Um, Public policy could itself become the captain of a scientific, technological elite. And when that first cocaine was smuggled in on a ship, it may as well have been a deadly bacteria so much as it hurt the body, the soul of our country. But take my word for it, this scourge will stop. What's up, oddities? Welcome to another oddcast featuring me, your odd man out. Thank you once again for taking your time to hang out with me and hopefully learn some new stuff. And this week, at least at the first part of the show, I want to go over this whole Israel versus Palestine war, the newest thing, right? I mean, they've always been at war in the modern era, but Israel has officially declared war on Hamas and Palestine, even though Palestine doesn't exist, or so they say. And so... A lot of people are dying. A lot of people are being injured and displaced. It's a horrible, horrible situation. But I want to address a few things. I want to look at the big picture because a lot of times with these emotional issues, we have knee-jerk reactions, and we're conditioned to think one way or the other. And I know that for my part, when I got into this series, this Those We Don't Speak Of series, which is 10 parts so far, this is the 11th, I had no idea about a lot of the negative side of things pertaining to Israel, modern Israel, even ancient Israel, and uh, what's happened post-Second Temple. And a lot of this stuff's been really hard for me to learn because it's pushed me to go against things that I've always believed, or were led to believe anyway. A lot of the things are just about perspective. Uh, They just kind of push you to believe a certain way, but you never really get much detail and you just kind of grow up thinking that way. And our media is constructed in a certain way to make us think that Israel is always the forever victim, especially since World War II. You know, I talk about how they barely even teach about the horrors of communism in school. By God, you'll be reading about the Holocaust every couple of years at least. And every couple of years, a big movie about the Holocaust comes up and it's pushed in mainstream. Hardly anything, though, about the horrors of communism. So 
we are conditioned to believe a certain way. And if you only follow the conservative media like I did for so long, you will never hear anything negative about Israel or Jews or anything like that. It's a love fest, and they really hold that government and the people up higher than they hold up their own people and their own country. It's really interesting. Part of that has to do with modern Christian dispensationalism and Darby and Schofield and all that. But it's not just a religious thing. It's also a secular thing, too. It's just the way the media has kind of conditioned us. It's the way history, mainstream history has conditioned us. It's the way movies and TV have conditioned us. Now, I'm not condoning what Hamas did, but I also want to talk about that as well. It's very strange to me, knowing what I know about Israel being the very well-funded and sophisticated society and having probably one of the top top technologically advanced military and having very, very technologically advanced security systems in place that Hamas could get through and do these kinds of things. And I want to remind people that the Egyptian government so far has refused to take sides, and they've reported that they were alarming Israel, alerting Israel last week, the government, that terrorist attacks could be on the way, and they didn't do anything about it. And Stephen Ben-Noon from Israeli News Live has reported the same thing. He's a former soldier, an IDF soldier, I believe, and he's still got contacts on the ground there. And he talked to a couple of his people, and they said, yeah, we were told to stand down. So this, I believe, was allowed to happen so the bigger picture could unfold, the bigger goal. That sounds horrible, but we've learned through this series that the early Zionists were turning down countries who wanted to bring in Jews and and wanted to bring their children in and shield them because they did not want anyone going anywhere but Palestine because they thought if these people go to these other countries, it'll hurt our goal of conquering and taking over Palestine. So this is nothing new about using their own citizens as a way to get what they want done. Now, maybe that sounds horrible to you, but I suggest go back and listen to the series, and it'll help you to understand more of what has really happened. Because, again, if you only listen to conservative media, you'll barely know anything about it. But not just that. Uh, Liberal media barely, barely touches on any of this, especially the historical stuff. So, People are just totally unaware, and we've learned so much in this series, a lot of stuff we wish we never found out, but I started it, and I can't stop now because it's a never-ending rabbit hole. Now, I think we need to look at how conservative media blames everything on Biden, right? And Biden is not in control of anything. He's an idiot and a tyrant, yes, a crook, yes, but he's obviously not in control of anything. And we look at how the mainstream conservative media blames everything on him, even though they know he's senile. Half the time they're saying he's senile, and half the time they're acting like he's some kind of mad genius who's causing all this trouble. But let's look at his administration. Now, we've talked about this in the past, how, strangely enough, a very small minority like the Jews find their way into such high positions of power and influence in governments, especially the U.S. government. Let's look at the administration, okay, Biden's administration. And we've talked about this in the past, but 
I saw on Pete Quinonez's Twitter or X profile, somebody had posted this, and I thought, well, we've talked about it in the past, but I think people need to be reminded. Look at Biden's administration, some of the top members. Secretary of Treasury, Janet Yellen. Attorney General, Merrick Garland. Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. Director of National Intelligence, Avril Haines. White House Chief of Staff, Ronald Klain. Secretary of Health and Human Services, Xavier Becerra. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken. And we'll remind people that Blinken's father and stepmother were longtime part of the Open Society Foundation for George Soros. Even have a library named after them. His stepfather, I forget his name, but he was uh, Maxwell. Uh, what was his first name? Was it John Maxwell? Ghislaine's father. He was his lawyer for many years. Of course, Ghislaine was also Jewish and her father as well. Just weird how those connections make. But we'll go on. Deputy Secretary of State, Wendy Sherman. Secretary of State for Political Affairs, Victoria Newland. Office of Science and Technology, Eric Lander. Director of the Central Intelligence Agency, David S. Cohen. Chairman of the SEC, Gary Gensler or Gensler. United States Secretary of Health or Assistant Secretary of Health, Ralph Levine or Rachel Levine, however you want to say it. That's a dude in a dress. And maybe the newest that's not on this list is the ATF director, Stephen Dettelbach. All these people are Jewish, okay? And we know that Biden's not in charge, and they try to say, well, you know, I see this all the time, and I think it's absolutely ridiculous, but they say that Obama is still in charge. He's running the show, you know, like he was some kind of mad genius as well. So let's go back and look at all of the great Hebrews that were a part of Barack Obama's administration, shall we? We've got Anthony Blinken, Deputy National Security Advisor, Danielle Boren, Director of International Government Affairs and Deputy Director of Public Engagement. Again, Gary Gensler, Gensler, Chairman, Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Jonathan Greenblatt, Special Assistant to the President and Director, Office of Social Innovation and Civic Participation, Domestic Policy Council. That's a mouthful. He's now the ADL Director. You had Jack Lew, Secretary of the Treasury. Eric Lynn, Middle East Policy Advisor. Matt Nosenchuk. Associate Director, Office of Public Engagement for Jewish Outreach. David Plouffe, Senior Advisor to the President. Daniel Rubenstein, Ambassador to Syria. Dan Shapiro, Ambassador to Israel. Gene Sperling, Director, National Economic Council. Aviva Sufian, Special Envoy, U.S. Holocaust Survivors Services. Adam Susbin. Director, Office of Foreign Assets Control, Treasury. Janet Yellen again, Chairwoman, Federal Reserve. David Cohen, Deputy Director, Central Intelligence Agency. David Saperstein, Ambassador for Religious Freedom. Amy Rosenbaum, Director of Legislative Affairs. Rafi Friedman Gerspan, Liaison to the LGBT Community. Wendy Sherman, Undersecretary of the State for Political Affairs. Jason Furman, Chair of the Council of Economic Advisors. Thomas Nides, Deputy Secretary of State for Management and Resources. 
are you guys tired yet? Ben Bernanke, chairman of the Federal Reserve from 2006 to 2013. Mary Shapiro from 2009 to 2012, chairwoman, Securities and Exchange Commission. Stephen Simon, senior director, Middle East, North Africa, National Security Council. Rom Emanuel, chief of staff to the president. David Axelrod, senior advisor to the president. Elena Kagan, now Supreme Court Justice, Solicitor General of the United States. Peter Orzag, Director of the Office of Management and Budget. Lawrence Summers, Director, National Economic Council. Monica Sutfin, Deputy White House Chief of Staff. James B. Steinberg, Deputy Secretary of State. Dennis Ross, Special Assistant to the President. Ronald Klain, Chief of Staff to the Vice President. Jared Bernstein, Chief Economist, Economic Policy Advisor to the Vice President. Susan Schur, Chief of Staff to the First Lady. Lee Feinstein, Campaign for Foreign Policy Advisor. And Mara Rudman, Foreign Policy Advisor. Those are all from the JewishVirtualLibrary.org. So think about that. Think about how bad you thought the policies were for the Obama administration, and then look back and see who was actually in control of that administration. Two and two, put two and two together and start to think for yourself instead of just blaming the face, which was Obama, okay? These presidents are the dividers and chiefs, but they're not really the ones who have all the power. It's ridiculous. Grow the hell up and stop being such an idiot, You may think it's silly that I wanted to cover this, but I have a reason for that because it just makes sense that you would actually look who's controlling all these various agencies. Quickly, I'll just mention a few of the top ones in the Clinton administration because everybody hated the Clintons as well. I won't mention their positions because of time, but here. Robert Reich, Robert Rubin, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Michael Cantor, Lawrence Summers, Daniel Glickman, Stephen Breyer, Richard Holbrook, Samuel Berger, Jack Lew, Charlene Barshevsky, and William Cohen. Also, of course, the Clintons' son-in-law is Jewish, but that's beside the point because he really didn't have anything to do with the administration. And, of course, it's not that every Jew is bad, of course, but the people who seek power in general are usually bad or are corrupted on the way up, regardless if they're Jewish or whatever. But there is certainly, as you can see, a concerted effort for Jews to take these positions. Uh, These are mostly, probably like 99% Ashkenazi Jews. And some people will say this goes back to the Khazarians, which I'm not exactly sure. But I am going to have Ron from the North on soon, hopefully, to talk about that. He's very knowledgeable about the Khazarians. But that's beside the point. The point is these people have a lot of control and all seem to be from the same ethnic background. And it's kind of strange, isn't it? Again, to be such a small percentage of the population. And we've done this on previous episodes in this series, like I said, but I think it's really important that people be reminded and also the newer people that might listen to this because of the new war that's going on need to understand. So I see all these conservatives like Mike Flynn and Charlie Kirk going on and on about how the Biden administration gave Iran back their $6 million, or $6 billion, rather. 
And they say Biden every time. They're not saying administration because, again, one minute they think he's a senile old fool, and the next minute they think he's some kind of global puppet master. But really, I think we need to think about who all is in the administration and who is really pulling these strings. Why would they give Iran, their mortal enemy, back the $6 billion? Now, let's look here at the Bush, the George W. Bush administration quickly, because a lot of conservatives have realized how horrible that administration was and got us tied into those endless wars or seemingly endless wars with no point to them, where, again, millions of people have died and trillions have been lost in displacement, utter chaos of the Middle East, which I believe is part of a big plan as well. The Bush W. administration, you had Elliot Abrams, who's actually now been outed as a former CIA officer, clandestine. He's been in the National Endowment for Democracy, Council on Foreign Relations member, and he was also part of the Project for New American Century, which was mostly Jewish neocons who, pre-9-11, had this plan to remake the Middle East, redraw the maps of the Middle East, and said that America needed a new Pearl Harbor in order to update its technology for its military and other offices and agencies. So we had Elliot Abrams as the director of the National Security Council. He was also appointed by Trump to head up the Venezuelan coup, which failed. You had Jeffrey Berkowitz, White House liaison to the Jewish community, Stuart Bernstein, ambassador to Denmark, Brad Blakeman, White House director of scheduling, Josh Bolton, chief of staff, Nancy Brinkler, ambassador to Hungary, and then chief of the protocol for the State Department, Michael Chertoff, head of the Justice Department's criminal division. Many people remember that little weasel. He's also been a trilateral commission member, and he's got his own, of course, tax-exempt foundation that he is probably funneling money through like most of these different people who start these tax organizations after they've played major roles in presidential administrations. You've got Douglas Faith, Undersecretary of Defense Policy, Ari Fleischer, White House Press Secretary, David Frum, Speechwriter, Chris Gersten, Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary, Administration for Children and Families at HHS. Adam Goldman, White House liaison to the Jewish community. Blake Gotsman, the president's personal aide. Jeremy L. Katz, White House liaison to the Jewish community. Daniel Kurtzer, ambassador to Israel. Frank Lavin, ambassador to Singapore. Jay Lefkowitz, deputy assistant to the president and director of the Domestic Policy Council. I. Lewis Libby, chief of staff to the vice president. Ken Mailman, White House political director. John Miller, Director, State Department Office to Monitor and Combat Trafficking in Persons. Michael Mukasey, Attorney General. Noam Neusner, White House Liaison to the Jewish Community. Mel Sembler, Ambassador to Italy. Martin Silverstein, Ambassador to Uruguay. Cliff Sobel, Ambassador to the Netherlands. Tevi Troy, Deputy Secretary, Health and Human Services, Department and Assistant to the President, Domestic Policy. Mark D. Weinberg, Assistant Secretary of Housing and Urban Development for Public Affairs. Ron Weisner, Ambassador to Slovakia. Paul Wolfowitz, Deputy Secretary of Defense. Dove Zakheim, Undersecretary of Defense. 
J. Ziedman, White House Liaison to the Jewish Community. Again, this is from the Jewish Virtual Library. Now, saying all that, I think we need to think about the big picture. Even in the original Zionist documents, like you can see a map in the Zionist founder Theodore Herzl's diary, I think it's volume two, he has a map in there that they had drawn out, and the original Zionists wanted a large part of the Middle East, not just Palestine. They wanted Lebanon, Syria, part of Egypt. It goes on and on and on. And they were very forward about that with each other. And that's still on the table. Remember, they tried to take Lebanon, and they failed miserably. A lot of people were killed and a lot of displacement and destruction. They went to war with Egypt, and that didn't work out the way they wanted either. This is what they want, though. This is the big picture. But the original Zionists weren't necessarily even religious. Now, let's look at the religious aspect from the Orthodox Jews, which are really Talmudists more so than really following biblical teachings. And we've found that out through this series, Those We Don't Speak Of. It's really all about the Talmud and the Zohar and the Sefer Yitzira. What they consider Torah is all these mystical books and the Mishnah as well. And the Talmud is like 60 books on its own. And a lot of it's just these crazy rabbis arguing about what the Bible, the first five books, actually mean. But there are some horrible, inhumane, perverse, and very violent things in there. And recently, actually just yesterday, I saw that Jordan Peterson actually quoted from the Talmud. So if you were wondering if he's compromised, absolutely. So let's talk about what the Orthodox rabbis and these rabbinical councils have been teaching for centuries. They teach that modern Esau Edom is the West, Rome, and Christianity, okay? And that they must be wiped out so they can have their heaven, Eden, whatever you want to call it, their utopia, they're in Israel, on earth. Some believe that the Moshiach, Messiah ben David, which is not Jesus, will come back, or come for the first time, actually. And some believe that they are their own Messiah, and that the Messiah is just kind of like a, it's kind of like a symbol for the Jewish people, and that they are their own gods. And they will take over the entire world. This is their teachings, not mine. And the whole world will be ran from Israel, and the whole world will become Israel, okay? And they say that the people who fight them will be destroyed by either the Messiah or them, depending. And those that are left over, the Gentiles, will openly and gladly serve the Jews, and that every Jew will have 2,800 Gentile servants, willing servants, not forced to serve, and some say Torah slaves or Torah uh, devotees, okay? Because it all revolves around the Torah, which I just explained to you, is not just the first five books of the Bible like average people think. It's all these other books, these, uh, the Mishnah, I think that was written by Maimonides, which is really commentary, I think, on the first five books of the Bible, something like the Talmud, the Zohar, the Sefer Yetzirah, the Bahir, there's so many of these books. And again, I'll remind people or tell people that don't know that they also teach that the Torah, the, each verse has like 70 
to even endless meanings. And basically, the meanings can be whatever these rabbis say to fit their narrative. So what people think is modern Judaism is not Judaism. And I'll remind people to go back and check out one of the episodes from Those We Don't Speak Of, and I can't remember which one it is offhand, so I just suggest listening to them all. But we talked about conservative, reformed, and Orthodox Judaism, and how a lot of these social issues are the same no matter what, as in the conservative Jews, which is mainly just here in America, they still are for gun laws, they're still for pro-abortion laws, they're still for gay rights and gay marriage and all those kinds of things. So when they say conservative, automatically, I've talked to people here in the States, they think conservative as in traditional values like them, but it's a lot different, really. There are some traditional values, but remember we learned a while back that in the Talmudic traditions, they have as many as eight genders. So you see kind of where that whole thing is rooted in as well. So a lot of these things have been brought on by the very people that the conservatives blindly support. And I want to say this, too, before I get off my soapbox here. A lot of the propaganda and the fear-mongering is also for average Jews because I've said this before, but I think it needs to be reiterated. They need them to be in fear and always in fighting mode, thinking the world's against them and the only people that are for them is these rabbis and these fellow Jews in power. And that way they won't speak out against them in their goals to self-enrich and to usurp power and influence around the world, no matter if it's really benefiting average Jews or not. And they do the same thing to us, our leaders, Jews and non-Jews alike. They have to keep us in fear so we'll be obedient and we won't actually figure out what's going on and won't see the big picture. And so I'll remind you too that there are Ashkenazi Jews, there are Sephardic Jews, and there's also Jews from other areas. And most of the Jews here in America are Ashkenazi. Now, that doesn't mean that all Ashkenazi Jews are bad by any means. My grandmother was a partial Ashkenazi Jew. So that just means that for some reason here in America, there's a concerted effort by mostly Ashkenazi Jews to usurp power. I'm not giving a total break to Sephardic Jews either. We look at Shabbatai Zvi, the infamous failed Messiah who taught that basically you do everything against the commandments, redemption through sin. And he was very influential. Over half the world's Jews followed him, and a lot of people believe that a lot of these people in power have the Sabbatean mindset, and there was a lot of secrecy in Sabbateanism. And Jacob Frank, who claimed to be the reincarnation of Zvi about 50 years later, taught that secrecy was very important. And it even talks about in the Zohar how you have to, if you're dealing with the enemy, which they would consider non-Jews enemies, that you have to be secretive and you have to do things in secret to beat them. So I think we need to take all this into consideration. I mean, we're getting down to a time where they're about to drag us into World War III against Iran, Lebanon, maybe even Russia, and I think... This is why I wanted to do this episode and just go balls out. I mean, I know I'm not doing myself any favors by talking about this, but pretty soon 
very soon, we're not going to be able to talk about it at all without being probably arrested. Uh, you know, Europe's going that way, and America's leading that way as well. And we talked about that in the beginning of this episode with people like Trump, DeSantis, and Biden signing this legislation, making it harder to critique bad policies by people just because they're Jewish. And I'll say this too, I think it was just a week before this whole new war happened, the ADL had their biggest meeting ever about how to fight anti-Semitic speech. And I think what was happening was that too many people were figuring out what was going on. I think a lot of people are onto this and they see it uh, they don't want to admit it, a lot of people, and they're scared to talk about it. But, you know, you can't fight the obvious. And, again, you just look at the names and follow their backgrounds. Uh, and even, like, look with Twitter and all the crap that uh, Musk has went through being called anti-Semitic and, you know, Twitter X being an anti-Semitic platform. Look who Elon chose as the CEO, Linda Yaccarino, another Ashkenazi Jew. So, it's just time to be brutally honest while we still can. We wish nothing negative to anybody. We just want to be treated equally. We don't want people in power who are nefarious and only seeking self-enrichment for their own kind. And we want to fight this horrible teaching of how the West, Christianity has to be destroyed, Rome has to be destroyed, I know that the Catholic Church has many problems and many issues, but we're talking about destruction. We're talking about destroying people as a whole, pure worldwide misery. And that's another Sabbatean teaching that the Messiah Ben David will come back either when everything is perfect or when everything is in full turmoil and chaos. And that looks like the way that they are going. And that leads me to believe that, yes, a lot of these people are indeed Sabbateans. And it really has not that much to do with Judaism as the old Judaism from back in biblical times, even though that had its issues as well. And I think that we need to be honest about another thing. This is tribalism to the max, modern tribalism by people who have modern technology and modern means to inflict their will on others and to infiltrate and control from within. This is a tribalism that I don't think exists with any other people. I don't exactly understand it, but I know that if you have people who have this tribalistic thinking and belief system, if they're continued to be given control and power and influence, they will dominate, conquer, and control. And those who don't go along with it will be destroyed. That's really all I have to say about that, guys. I love you guys. I'll be praying for both the Israelis and the Palestinians and everyone else. Cheers and blessings. And remember, their order is not our order. See you guys. Zionism was about the fact that the Jewish people decided to be masters of their fate, to finally take action to change the course of their history, to say to the world that we might be dealt some of the worst cards in history and by a whole lot of dealers, but that does not mean that this is our future. 
And we are done praying for God to save us. And we are done waiting for the Messiah to come. We are going to be our own Messiahs. We are going to be the vehicles of our own redemption. This is the spirit of Zionism. The spirit of Zionism is the spirit of collective action for a purpose of self-redemption of a people, for themselves, by themselves. Esau, who became Edom, who became the Roman Empire, which metamorphosed into the Christian Empire, which became Christian civilization, which is now represented by the United States of America. The destruction of Edom is prophesied many times throughout the Bible. In the book of Daniel, recorded in chapter 7, where the four empires are represented by four beasts. The fourth beast refers to Rome and Western civilization. Daniel relates, The fourth beast was dreadful, terrifying, and extremely powerful, with enormous iron teeth that devoured and crushed and trampled with its feet. And I watched as the beast was killed, and its flesh destroyed and dispatched into the consuming flames. All its manifestations will be destroyed. Furthermore, from Daniel's dream, it seems that their destruction will occur before the Messiah comes. The fourth beast is killed and consumed by flames before he sees Mashiach, the Messiah, appear with the clouds of heaven. One of the prophecies is that each righteous Jew will have 2,800 non-Jews that he's going to be responsible for to teach them, to teach them Torah, to teach them about God. So they're going to grab his, uh, his tzitzit, these, uh, these tzitzit strings, and say, teach us the uh, Torah, because our forefathers lied to us. This is one of the prophecies that's in the Tanakh. But the person has to be righteous. They can't be an idol worshiper. They have to abandon idolatry. They have to abandon uh, heresy. But they could certainly survive and, uh, and go to heaven. And there's, uh, you know, Judaism doesn't teach that everyone goes to uh, hell unless they're Jewish. You could go to heaven even if you're not Jewish, but you have to still be according to the Torah. You still have to be righteous according to the Torah, meaning that you have to follow the, either if you're Jewish, you follow the laws for the Jews, if you're a Gentile, you follow the laws for the Gentiles, which are the seven Noahide laws, which first and foremost means you have to be ethical in accordance to the Torah. Uh, we don't do anything illegal. You cannot take us to jail. If you are not involved, please go. Shalom, my friend. We bless you. You're in my country. You come to the United States, you can say whatever you want to say. That is a free world, yes? You're not in the United States. You're in Israel. I understand. You say whatever you want to say here. Yes, you can. It's legal. It is legal to preach about Yeshua. We preach at Damascus Gate. The police said it's okay. We preach at Jaffa Gate. The police say it's okay. Please stop. I respect you, respect me. That is the right thing. Are you Jewish? Do you want to honor God? That is the godly thing to do. We respect one another. The godly thing is to kill me. That's right. That's what the Torah says. The Torah says to kill us. The Torah says that people who worship idols, such as yourself, when there is a Sanhedrin, to kill us. Yes. Okay. That's what the Torah says. So we know how the Jewish people feel about Christians, yes? That you Christians discriminate are, against Christians. Christians are idol worshippers. You discriminate the against Torah Christians. The Torah says that Christianity is idol worship. You have six billion idol worshippers who makes God angry every second of their life. Indian, Chinese, Japanese, uh, Tibet, Nepal, uh, uh, Thailand, 
so many. India alone is 500 million. China is 2 billion. Uh, so many. 2 billion Christians, which are idol worshippers. Between Chinese, Indian, Hindus, Buddhists, and Christian, at least six, six and a half billion people are idol worshippers that, according to the Torah, do not have the right to live. Idol worshipper Goy, it's death penalty. Not only Jews. Even a Goy who bow down to an idol, who, be who believe in JC, deserve death penalty.